now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to babble! <laughs> We're back! I think somebody might be just a little excited to be back. <laughs> we are alive! I still function! Did you just get hit with lightning? Is that what happened? Like spiritual lightning? I, I, I'm, I'm Dr. Frankenstein here, and I'm just bringing you back to life. Is that what's happening here? <laughs> yes, after you executed me by the river. <laughs> Friggin' old yeller style. <laughs> yeah. Well, mice and men style, but I guess it still works. Nah, yeah. I never watched that. Eh, you should. It's, a, it's an uplifting movie about the soul-crushing inevitability and futility of... Uh, committing oneself to a purpose. Oh, perfect. It sounds great for a, a date night then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you oh. can, and then you can tell the uh, and then you can tell your girl, then you can tell your lady, "Hey, let's go shop. Let's go uh, let's go uh, adopt a rabbit." A rabbit. Well, we're currently hoping to adopt a dog in the next year, so I don't know about a rabbit. <laughs> I thought it was a mouse in that movie anyway. Oh, he kept a mouse in his pocket. Yeah. But they were talking about getting a farm with rabbits. Oh. That's why okay. he's like, tell me about the rabbits, George. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. See, because I I, I, uh, I had to read about it. I had to read it in English class, but I never watched it. So, yeah. But that is not tech. No, it and isn't. We are here to discuss the tech. Yes, this is Technobabble, the tech discussion podcast with me, Mike King, and my beloved co-host, Richard Reiner. <laughs> so happy to be back Ah uh, yes The unceremonious end has finally passed We are yes. alive We are bringing the Geek Fallout feed Back to life In much better audio quality Since I've been going through the archive uh, You know we had our ups and downs When it came to uh, audio quality Like constant footsteps overhead mic picking up The microphone picking up everything Sounds like I was recording from a haunted house Probably hearing me smoking every three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know that would, that, you know, the haunted house motif would have worked better for the graveyard shift. But yeah, that is true. You should talk to Sheldon about that. <laughs> hey, Shelly, we got an idea. <laughs> Let's move me back to the basement and tell my parents. Can you be extra fucking noisy, please? And make sure and make sure to get into more arguments. Yeah, exactly. See, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a uh, an internet feud with one of your other podcasts on our very first podcast back. I'm gonna call out Sheldon, <laughs> Sheldon Brown. That's it. I'm taking you down. You're going <laughs> down, Mr. <Yes>, Brown. <laughs> Sheldon Brown's Mike and Stein. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. This is our, we, we're finally alive. What what the hell brought us back? We talked uh, in our announcements before about what's, uh, you know, like how we met, how the show started, how it ended. But, you know, what brought the show back, Rich? Let's just uh, bring everyone up to speed in like a minute. In a minute? I can do even less than a minute. You want to know what brought the show back? Sure. Uh, a very annoying person named Mike King. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I guess uh, the show is kind of being brought back because um, I 
am wanting to get back into podcasting. You have been bothering me for basically ever since we ended the show to keep doing it. And um, I now have time, well, at least a slight amount of time to do it. So what what better time than now? Oh, yes. And we've I've upped my game when it came to podcasting. We got a better microphone, better setup, better everything. And so much more tech has come out. That's true. That is very true. So, who goes first? Well, since you're the host, why don't you take the lead, brother? Okay. I found this thing called a uh, a cooler coffee table by Sobro. Have you uh, seen videos for Sobro's products? I did catch a video that you yourself sent me, and it was intriguing, although... Um, Personally, I think that it's um, kind of going towards the the lazy person in a sense, because I mean, like, who needs their coffee table to have a cooler in it? And 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 here's the other thing, actually, because I I just saw a quick little uh, video, and I I got to be honest, I wasn't paying full attention to it when I did see it. Um, was it? Uh, was it actually refrigerated, or is it just? a cooler in the same sense that like when I bring a cooler say down to the lake with me you know what I mean or like do I need to put ice packs in it or is it powered it is powered though let's just you know we can't get too far ahead of the cut the uh, listeners now Sobro last year they put out a uh, coffee table and it got 1.6 million dollars in funding which was um, you know what percentage that was of their goal like probably like 200%. 2,546% of their goal. So 2,000% of their goal. That is they insane. Got, they got a lot of support. Wow. So they decided to put out a smaller version, like a little coffee table or a side table that goes by your bed or really anywhere you want. But most of the pictures are by the bed. Now, do you know what they're, uh, what they've got of their goal now? Uh, one thousand eight hundred and forty-one percent. One thousand seven hundred and thirty-one percent. What? But I'm on their website now, and it says one thousand eight hundred and forty-one percent. Um, oh, well, maybe... US dollars raised by. Uh, uh, I, did, I did not refresh. <laughs> My tab did not refresh. Ah, see, you got to get the most up-to-date information. I'm actually watching the video currently as well. So. Yep, and and that's of their fifty thousand dollar flex goal. So, yeah, which yeah. is pretty insane. 2,141 backers. Now, I'm going to tell you what this table comes with, why everyone loves this freaking thing. It has a cooler drawer that has built-in thermoelectric cooling, which means it is whisper quiet. Mm, that's good when it comes to the bedroom, right? You, you got to yeah. have that whisper quiet in there. A wireless charging surface for two phones. Which is pretty sweet. Bluetooth speakers, which means you can Whoa. walk around your entire room with your phone or whatever, and you can just blast whatever you want from there. So no docking, which is great. You just put your phone on your desk while charging it and then playing it wirelessly so nothing gets tangled. How fucking sweet is that? Yeah. And that's not the re that's not the end. It also has a motion sensor lighting with front-facing LED nightlight. I did just see that in the video. It looks amazing. That's super cool. Oh, yeah, multicolored too. So you can get like a nice little sunshine in your darkened little cave. Yeah. And if you decide, like, if you don't have any uh, charging uh, 
whatever's on your phone for the wireless charging fear not it has micro usb usb c and standard 120 volt power outlets so you can charge just about anything you want or get a uh, a tiny Whoa. adapter to charge anything you want wait a second wait a second wait a second it's got micro usb and usb c but it doesn't have lightning or oh, it doesn't have lightning built in like it has oh, a it has a power outlet so you can throw a lightning cable on it Okay, hold on a second here. I'm I'm just switching to the. Uh, I just paused it here in the back. So, in the video, they've uh, got. Let's see, one, two, three, four. There's four USB ports open on it. It looks like two plugs. So in the video, they've got two phones uh, wirelessly charging. Then they've also got an Amazon Alexa uh, plugged into the USB port. They've got what looks to be an ebook reader plugged into a USB port. And then they've got a MacBook Pro plugged in with the USB C straight to the uh, USB port, or sorry, straight to the plug as well. And then I don't know what this other thing is plugged in. I guess maybe it's the headphones, but they've, and, and then there's also the light switches on the back, which are conveniently hidden on the back as well, which keeps everything looking nice and sleek and really quite beautiful actually like this is almost a work of art this is a beautiful table and we're not done yet it's future proofed which means it is wi-fi enabled for firmware updates and remote management via the app now you may ask yourself you know how did i get here this is not my beautiful wife but you may also ask yourself something else why the fuck would i need to connect to my desk with my phone here's Ooh, why good point it has a locking storage drawer with what Yep, these drawers lock with an app-controlled lock, so you don't need a key to open up your desk. You can do it with your phone. Great place to put your stash, people. Yep, well, it's by <laughs> your bed. That's where your porn stash is. Perfect. Or or just your regular stash come Canada July 1st. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I can't believe they didn't legislate that for April 20th. I mean, the fuck is wrong with these people? Yeah, it's not even going to be July 1st at this point. Probably, but so, it's it, this table though is absolutely uh, gorgeous. It actually, to me, it is um, very reminiscent of the type of I don't want to say architecture, like styling, uh, the the styling that you would find at um, Structube. If any of our listeners have ever heard of Structube, it's kind of like um, IKEA for fancy people. If you, uh, want to, if you want to live like the future, you want to have that future motif. Well, it's like if if Apple and Philips Hue came together and made a table with Belkin, this is what it would be, basically. Oh, and there's <laughs> also accent lighting with that you can use your app to change the lights from the back lights. Yeah, or you can spin the little dial in the back. And it's got, so the lights, um, you said earlier, so I got a little bit confused when you said earlier that it had lights. So it's got a light in the front of it. For when you're you're you know getting out of bed or whatever, but it also has lights all around the back of it as well that also change color, yep. and it looked like they actually had um, a setting so that you could set it to, you know, brighten up with the sun sort of thing. So if you have blackout curtains but you still want to wake up with the quote unquote sun, which is actually very healthy for you, you could do that through the app as well, which is really cool. Yeah, and that was just like the highlights. To get into a little more detail, you've got. The thermoelectric cooler. Now, do you know how thermoelectric cooling works? No, I don't, but I think you're about to explain it to me. Well, this is a tech <laughs> show, so I figured we might as well get a little in-depth, not just talking about, like, ooh, we saw a fancy video. No, we're going to learn you some shit. 
<laughs> Thermoelectric cooling uses the Peltier effect to create a heat flux between the junction of two different types of materials. So it's a solid state active heat pump which transfers heat from one side of the device to the other via the, via the consumption of electrical energy. Hmm. So it is quiet cooling. So if you want to have a nice cool drink by your bed, but you just think, well, shit, I put it on my table and then, I get, and then the room temperature messes up my water. Now, it's, now, it, now I might as well be drinking from the friggin' tap like a pig. No. <laughs> you can keep your shit refrigerated. You can put water, I don't know, scotch, whatever it takes to help you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. You can put it in this whisper quiet cooler. And it's kind of spacious, too. Like, it's not just like, ooh, like a tiny bottle holder. No, this is a fucking shelf right here. And then we've got the Sleep Better, Wake Up Easier, which lets you keep great sleep habits by leaving the LED lights on the back of the table. It can simulate sunrise to help you wake up early. And, yeah, which is what I was talking about, yeah. And the Smarter Nightlight. There's an LED bar on the front of the table, motion activated to guide you safely in the dark. So as soon as you throw your feet on the floor, it lights up the floor so you can be like, oh, well, I'm not going to like step on any caps from my drink. This is really cool. I am so glad that you brought this to my attention. This is, um, you know what? Like when I first saw it, I was like, nobody needs a refrigerator in their table. And now that I'm seeing all the different features and I'm seeing how um, elegant the table actually is, I actually kind of want it. And I just looked up the price. So on Indiegogo um, right now, it says that it is uh three what was it three ninety nine three ninety nine us yes so that comes out or sorry three seventy nine us and that comes out to four hundred and eighty four dollars and eight cents uh canadian as of today so obviously that will fluctuate a little bit but so basically you're looking at five hundred dollars which is about the same as you would pay for a really fancy table anyway and it's 55% off the ask the uh the regular asking price when it's done but if you get the uh the six ninety nine special that's seven hundred dollars. The Lovebird special. That's two tables, and that's sixty one percent off their combined price. Madonna, can't wait to chill your drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you will never find a better desk than mine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, this is really cool. Uh, and the fact that you can like change your backlights with your phone. Mm-hmm. And the best part, contain the clutter, because it's not just like, oh, we've got, remember all those cables we talked about that you can use? Yep. Well, you can just imagine them draped over the side. It would get tangled on a lot of shit, right? Yeah. Now, the the cord management system is, is amazing on this. There's a slit in the yeah. table for all these cords to go through. So they go straight from the cord. You get the most length from your cord. Mm-hmm. None of that wraparound taking like a good foot off your cable. No, it goes straight up through the desk. Onto the surface where you're charging your stuff. So even with a three-foot cable, no clutter. Yeah. You can finally use those three-foot cables instead of being like, why didn't I just like pay oh, the extra wow. dollar and get a six-foot cable? So if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're thinking at all of buying this though, you definitely want to buy it now because they they really they actually have a uh, it says don't have sobro FOMO. Seriously, remember when Bitcoin was $100? Don't miss out on this deal. FOMO is the worst. And it says, regretometer. And it says, buy now. 
at this price or buy later at nine hundred dollars. And personally, <laughs> no, let's not, read the regret meter. $900, especially nine hundred dollars American. I wouldn't buy this. Maybe if the big one was like nine hundred dollars Canadian, but the the only time that I would like five hundred dollars for this is a perfect price. Any more than that, and I wouldn't I don't I don't think I could buy it. So this is this is definitely something that you want to get in on now for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, and the regretometer is fucking great. It's got yeah. like their their levels go from Zen like calm, which is buying now, then ordering the lobster with no hesitation, palm on forehead, flashbacks to passing on Bitcoin, and not showering for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's also uh, adjustable in height. Uh, you're going to have a choice of different finishes, which include white, matte black, or a white and walnut as well, which is white on the front, and then a walnut wrapping around the top and sides, which is quite nice. Uh, and that will be av uh, available when the stretch goal is reached, which I'm assuming they've reached. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> elevation they give you with complementary legs. You can adjust it to 24 or 29 inches. It's beautiful. Yeah, that is a... A great choice, I would have to say. Now, my my first uh, tech story or tech gadget, as it were, um, I actually had a big moment with this. Uh, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. So we'll just start things off with explaining what it is, and then I'll get into the mind-blowing moment later. And this will actually probably blow your mind as well. So um, actually, I'm going to just throw you a curveball here and we're actually going to skip to my second story is the one that I was thinking of here on our little notes. Uh, so there's a Canadian based company um, has created yet another way of creating green energy for the planet. Basically um, the, the green energy that we have now that people think of, we think of solar obviously uh, which thanks to people like Tesla um, is not only gaining more and more um, notice in mainstream society, pop culture and all of that, right? Like people are paying more attention to it. It's getting cheaper. The efficiency is going up. It's still not quite where we need it to be. So, you know, there's that, but it, it's gaining a lot with things like the power wall um, in uh, conjunction with the, um, what are they? Solar, uh, solar roof, right? Uh, so that's one. Another one is uh, wind energy. People think of wind energy. Un great. Another great thing, green energy, except that it can be dangerous for um, local wildlife, mainly birds. Uh, it can smack them. It hits them, takes them out of the sky, killing them instantly. Pretty much they can be very loud if they're, if they're close to uh, people. Um, it can be distracting and extremely noisy. They're also very expensive. And they don't create a whole, like, yes, they do create, um, you know, a fair bit of energy, but not as much as they could and or should. Um, now there are newer versions of wind energy coming out, uh, which fix a lot of those problems. But that's not what we're here to talk about. The one that I'm here to talk about is hydro. Uh, now, especially in Ontario, hydro is a big thing. Uh, hydroelectric dams are kind of the main thing that people think about when they think about hydro. This company... Um, which is a Canadian company has now come up with a new way to basically get energy from water without building a dam and from very slow moving water as well. 
So previously, we have to basically build dams in big areas to create energy, which then, you know, uh, turn uh, turn turbines or, you know, create steam, they boil the water, like whatever. There's different ways that they can do it, right? But now this company basically has created this device that they put in the water itself and it cre- can create, uh, I believe it's up to 240 times the amount of energy that uh, from a slow stream uh, that a regular wind turbine can get just because of the fact that uh, water is much more dense and it weighs a lot more. So it can push a much heavier um, uh, magnet or turbine, as it were. It can push it a lot harder and uh, faster with less force, right? Now, the thing that really caught me about this was it's it's actually quite compact, or at least it seems that way. Um, there isn't a whole lot of information on it, but just the fact that you can put this in a stream going as slow as two miles per hour. That is really slow. That's a trickle of a stream. And you can create as much energy as a 260 mile an hour wind with a wind turbine. So that's a fair comparison especially with something so small. So you don't have to build a dam anymore. You just put this in the water and you can hook it up and boom, you've got energy. Now the mind blowing part, Mike, this is really going to mess with you. Where, where do you think that this company is based out of in Canada? Uh, Ottawa. Yes, sir. It is based on Metcalf street. This company is actually based three blocks away from my house currently. Damn. Yeah. So that is super cool, um, and they are tr- basically just trying to, you know, help the world get off of fossil fuel energy, which we desperately need to do. So it's called Water Rotor, Water Rotor. So what you're saying is you could have had them on as a guest, and you didn't, and you blew it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, unfortunately, their website is... Um, not the best. I mean, like it's 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 okay, but there's not a whole like it's very um it's very bare bones right now because does it uh, have a picture of like a floating green orb with a smile on it saying like under construction? <laughs> no, no, they do have so it they've got a section for the problem, the solution, the breakthrough, the company, endorsements, and contact. And if it's funny, if you go down to contact, uh, you can say, I am interested in, please select one corporate or company solutions, personal solutions, dealer or reseller, or investment opportunity, $100,000 minimum. Fuck <laughs> All right, so, Patreon, you want to get in on, uh, you want to get in on us shaping the future and be like a part-time stake owner in Geek Fallout Productions. Yeah. Just I just, I think this that Patreon, we only thing. need like 10 people donating $10,000. And we can yeah. get in on this. And they've already been in uh, endorsed uh, by a few different companies um, as well, none of which I have ever heard of. Uh, one of them, uh, oh, actually, that's not true. The Manny Pacquiao Group. So I'm guessing that's the um, boxer and his group, I guess. Uh, the Philippines, oh, never mind, sorry. Philippines leading congressman has invested in this company and endorsed it. Uh, Black and McDonald, uh, Vigyan, and RTS Companies Incorporated have all are their big endorsements that they have so far, and it's it's just really 
cool breakthrough that uh, that you can basically put this in something going as slow as two miles an hour and be able to get that much energy out of it. So turbines in the stream. That yeah, is and what we are. and it the blades aren't very sharp because it's moving so slow. Um, I guess it's they're hoping at least. I'm again, there's not a whole lot of information that I found, but it looks to me from the video that it's not going to necessarily hurt any of the marine life that um, is swimming around it. It doesn't seem to hurt anything unless, of course, I guess they get stuck in it somehow. But I'm sure that they would probably come up with a cage to go around it or something if it's in an area where there are going to be um, lots of fish around this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think any company that is trying to come up with uh, new creative inventive ways of getting energy through quote unquote green sustainable uh, sources is an amazing thing and we need to bring light to this. So you can actually go to their website. It's at waterrotor.com and uh, get some information there or just search up uh, Water Rotor on YouTube and, and check it out. It's super interesting. Well, maybe we can talk about having them as a guest because, you know, we, we watch all these videos and everything, but we never had a chance to actually have to actually speak with someone who's at the at the cutting edge of this. So uh, when we're important enough and we have our shit together, <laughs> we should definitely make a note to uh, reach these people. Yeah, I'll just walk down the street and knock on their door. <laughs> you can do that. I can't yeah. believe this. Can I know, right? That. Like that's so crazy. <laughs> All right, what do, what else do you got? Well, the fuck tabs. Come on. I was typing in the note to uh, type in the water router and then fucked up my tabs. Okay, so water rotor. It's a rotor, not a router. <laughs> you're you're gonna mess up their SEO. <laughs> okay well i gotta ask you what is the coolest way to get around today uh i feel like this is going to be a trick question you're going to be you're going to i'm going to say rollerblades and you're going to say air-conditioned rollerblades or some crap like that <laughs> you're right and yet you're so fucking wrong uh, well, the thing is to sound like my fiance <laughs> <laughs> Well, the coolest way to get around is is drones. Just using the, the power of little helicopters to get around. We've seen videos of guys like crossing a a lake on basically four regular sized, four heavy duty drones, basically welded together. Who's we? I haven't seen that. That's insane. I thought I sent it. What? Anyway, this guy's done something better. He's created a hover bike, four propellers, lifting up a seat with joysticks on them basically you get to fly around in a helicopter that you can like oh it's like a, a helicycle yeah have you seen they it? should totally just call it the helicycle no nah, man it's the hover bike because it hovers and it's a bike and that's way less cool than the uh, helicycle the because hover... call it the hell cycle so right? you can go the to hell. hover you can go to hoversurf.com slash scorpion three and check out their hoverbike scorpion three it's an extreme sports machine for those who are not afraid of height and speed it's like an ordinary motorcycle but it can fucking fly you can store it at home or in the garage anytime you want 
And in most countries, registration or a pilot's license is not required when the aircraft is below 115 kilograms, 250 pounds. And the Scorpion 3 suits this requirement. The weight of the hover bike is 104 kilograms, 229 pounds with the battery. So so you don't need a pilot's license to fly around on your hover bike. We are getting our flying cars and their bikes. But it, there's no way this can be, quote unquote, road legal. Like, while you may not need a pilot's license to fly it, there's no way you can pull this out of your garage and fly to work on it. Also, what is the uh, what's the flight time with the battery? Well, the maximum speed is seven, 70 kilometers an hour, 43 that's miles pretty, an hour. That's the pretty fast. Fl- the flight time is 20 minutes. That's not bad. And so, does it say how long the charging time is? It's only three hours. That's not bad at all. How big is the battery? The battery is 18 kilograms or 39 pounds each. I meant kilowatt hours, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the flight time being 20 minutes, uh, it doesn't, I don't think it says, oh, it says soon they're coming out with an HD battery with a flight time of 40 minutes. So double what regular batteries are capable of okay so that's not bad we may have to read up on what this hd battery is yeah i'm uh, i'm a little impressed with this but i'm also kind of scared because um that would hurt falling off of um also all of this is a total of um sixty thousand dollars (laughs) american which is uh quite a bit of money for a flying helicopter. Although on second thought, I guess that's kind of a bargain for a flying helicopter at the same time. <laughs> yes. And also I can imagine this would be great in Canada, although that may kill the battery time because if you, Wait. if you're tired of freezing at the bus stop, mm. of course, if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you've got $60,000, why the fuck are you taking the bus? But it also doesn't say, yeah, that's a good point. It also doesn't say though, um, what the the weight of this hover bike yeah i don't see any information here about how heavy the uh passenger can be how heavy the rider can be right because a lot of times um being somebody who's been researching different modes of electric transportation for a few years now because um you know living and working in a very close area um i've wanted to get some form of electric transportation, whether it be, you know, one of those stupid hoverboards that you see stupid kid millennials on with all the LEDs and the Bluetooth speakers, or whether it's an electric skateboard or an an electric scooter, an e-bike, whatever. Um, A lot of that depends on the weight and also the terrain. Now with something that flies, you're going to be depending more on the weight and also the wind conditions as well. Um, and on, of course, also the temperature, because of course, uh, a colder temperature affects the batteries and also air is more dense when it's cold and thus it, it would be harder to fly through. So it'd be interesting to see some of the information about that. Uh, but with a flight time with the regular battery of about 20 minutes uh, and 70 kilometers an hour, you could you could get a quite little you know you could probably commute in this. Yeah, all you have to do is just park on the roof of your work. 
Well, does it say again? I don't see anything I, I, about. You're not going to trust us in the park. You're not going to trust us in the parking lot. It doesn't say how high you can go either, though. Like how high off the ground can it fly? Right. Well, if you can get a foot off the ground, what's stopping you from getting five, ten, fifteen, or twenty feet off the ground? The power of the engines, probably. I would assume because you would it, just because it's powerful enough to get off the ground doesn't mean it's powerful enough to fly 100 feet up in the air, 300 feet up in the air. Also, the higher you go, the um, the thinner the air gets and the harder the engines have to work to uh, keep that same amount of weight afloat, especially as a helicopter type, you know, with, with propellers, right? Uh, it doesn't have wings. So there's no upward, um, there's no upward push with the wings like a plane has. Now, if it had that, maybe it would be able to do that a little better. So maybe we'll see that in a, uh, a second generation. It'll have like uh, wings that you can press a little button and they'll snap out from the side or something like that. Well, you, if that you, is really cool. If, well, if our Patreon fires up, you can get <laughs> you can spend two thousand dollars for a reservation. You know what? I'm good with just a test drive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think a um, I would be allowed to get one of those even if I could afford it and B honestly I don't think I would want one I think that's kind of one of those things that I would want to try just once like those um, have you ever seen those uh, quote-unquote hover jet ski thingies that you you kind of attach yourself to in the water and they've got a big uh, they, they shoot, shoot that hose that spray yeah they shoot the hose I, I don't know what they're called but basically you uh, get to be like an old you get to be like an old black and white cartoon and have yeah. a stream of water shoot you all shoot you up in the air yeah exactly however you know what would be really cool though is to take this motorcycle and fly over niagara falls oh damn yeah there's some drone footage for you <laughs> You could be like, what goes or what what's what goes past Niagara Falls? Where does it all go? Or instead of just watching a video where where smarter people have done that with cheap drones, you can do it yourself. Get distracted, forget that your twenty minutes is up. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then find right. out that this thing does not float. With all of the noise too, you might not hear any warning signals. So that would not be good. And you know what else um, should have some warning signals? Your next item? The amount of garbage on this planet. And my next item here, which isn't really an item so much as a, um, a news article, I guess, or something that someone is doing, I guess, a country specifically, Sweden, as it were. So apparently Sweden now, for the past um, little while, a couple of years almost, it seems like. This is news to me, and I know that probably a lot of our listeners have has probably never heard of this either. Um, Sweden has been burning their garbage for energy, which is, again, another very creative way to, uh, A, solve the garbage problem, the landfill problem, but also another interesting way of creating, quote-unquote, green energy. Now, Sweden itself has said that they, uh, their residents recycle upwards of 99% of all of their uh, recyclables. Like everything that you can recycle, almost all of it is recycled in Sweden, which is really, really interesting. I tend to think that that's a slightly embellished number. I was looking around, reading a little bit, and it seems that it's not quite um, fully the truth, but still... 
you know, even if they're anywhere close to that, they're doing better than most of the other countries. However, they're what they since they've been doing this, though. So what they do, I guess, is they recycle all their normal stuff and then their regular garbage, the stuff that can't be recycled, is then brought to a special facility where it is burned. And then that fire is used to heat broilers, which then creates steam, which then turn turbines, which then create electricity. Now, what uh, I want to know is what happens with all the exhaust and pollution caused exactly. by fire? Yes, I would also like to know that. Um, from what I've read, they say that it's not toxic. The fumes that come <laughs> off from this are not toxic. Sweet, Swedish garbage is so well made. Even when you burn it and cast carcinogens and ash into the air, yeah. you can just go ahead and breathe it in. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing is I'm like, you know what? Like, I could see you know, certain things being um, non-toxic when you burn it, but there's no way all of your garbage is non-toxic. Now, however... Oh, you know what they probably do? Remember that device we talked about that gathers smog and turns it into jewelry? Oh, They probably just put a bunch of those scrubbers <laughs> in the tower, so by That's the time true. the smoke rises up out, it's just hot air because all the ash and everything is being turned into a knickknacks and bric-a-brac. That would be pretty cool. I think, though... Um, or they put I, it in Toblerone bars. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that would that's so ridiculous. You know, Toblerone. It broke I, me off here, man. <laughs> I never looked it up before. Maybe Toblerone is Swedish for like burnt garbage ash. Are you sure it's even Swedish? Well, they're all like little Alpines. So it's probably just some stupid American company trying to rip off of it being fancy and Swedish when in fact it's not Swedish at all. <laughs> Capitalism, hooray! <laughs> okay, so you don't know what happens with all the... Yeah, I mean, so like, basically... They, they stop people from burning leaves because that made sense until they realized, oh, shit, all the shit's going in the air. Exactly. So the, the thing is, though, is what is worse? Burning a little bit of the... Uh, 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 a little bit. Burning your garbage and using that to cre help create uh, green energy? Or is it worse to leave your garbage in a massive landfill to rot and create methane gas, which can not only be uh, dangerous in the immediate future as far as possibly exploding, but methane gas is also, you know, a greenhouse gas and is very bad for, you know, um, global warming and climate change, all that, right? Look, I'm doing so my part. I'm doing, I'm, do out, right? I'm doing my part to cut down on methane gas simply by eating as many cows as possible. Because those things mm -hmm. actually caused trouble in the ozone layer um, yeah, in the medieval dude. ages. I'm I am not you we're just going to end that conversation speaking as a vegetarian you're not helping by eating more meat <laughs> you're not helping those, the world those things fart and guess what their farts are methane the more That's cows true, there are the more, the more cows you eat guess what the more cows they kill the more cows they need to raise so the more you eat, the more they make, the more there are. Ooh, look at me. Oh, so really? Me rich. I'm a problem solver. worse. Just saying. Okay, so tell me more about this. Okay, so tell me more about the... the well, I just think it's really interesting that um, they've gotten now to the point. So they've been doing this, like I said, for a little while. And they've now gotten to the point where they don't have enough garbage to be able to do this. So they actually buy garbage from other countries surrounding them. 
and they import garbage so that they can burn it so that they can create green energy through it, quote unquote, green energy. Uh, and I just think that's really cool. I mean, like, yes, there's still going to be um, fumes that come off. And while they say that it's not that bad, it's obviously not perfect. And I'm sure that this can be improved over time. But this is one step in the right direction because really, you know, like we're going to be creating like no matter what you're doing, whether you have coal or like whatever type of, of power generation you have um, that's not a, a sustainable uh, power generation, there's going to be, um, you know, gases, fumes, whatever. So really, this is at least if you're going to have gases and fumes this way, we're not taking anything out of the earth. We're not using any more of these things that aren't sustainable like coal and whatnot, right? But we're also getting rid of things off of the earth. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're taking, we're, we're taking space back because landfills, you know, take up a lot of space. If you look at it from a national standpoint, if you look at all of the, um, all of the landfills throughout all of, you know, in the United States of America or all of Canada, that's a very large amount of land and that's a lot of garbage. So the more countries look into things like this, you know, the better off I think we are, especially because more people do it, the more innovation is going to happen and the the better it's going to become. Very true. And in a case of more recycling news, you know what's really bad about roads? Um that you have to fix them all the time. They, Potholes, yeah. uh, they, they're very hot and they also um, help with uh, global warming because of the fact that they absorb all of the sun's heat and then put it out throughout all of the day and night. Um, when they have to fix them, it stinks really bad. Um, I could keep going. You, you could, but I'd rather <laughs> you not. But you're right. So India started something in 2002. And uh, and this road, which was built in 2002, has still not developed the mosaic of cracks, potholes, or craters that usually show up after they after it rains. And what it's made of is a cheap polymer glue made from shredded waste plastic. Jabulingam Street was one of India's first plastic roads. It was developed about 15 years ago in response to the growing problem of plastic litter. And what is really cool aside from all that, is that they don't melt unless the temperature goes above 666 Celsius, or 150 Fahrenheit, compared to 50 degrees Celsius, or 122, for ordinary roads. And that means that it would be perfect for the Middle East because those temperatures exist there. And while it has been working good in India, there have been concerns while it was an early adapter, one satellite offered a gram of gold as an incentive for citizens to collect discarded plastic bags in 2012. But a year later, the plan was abandoned because the city could not produce enough shredded plastic waste. I guess that has to be a specific plastic because they're still mixing it with bitumen and a bunch of other things. So it's kind of like a plastic hybrid. Hmm. But, you know, leave it to someone else to make it better. There is a new thing called Plastic Road, which is a uh, 
which it's a lightweight design and it's modular, three times the expected lifespan, and it's 100% recycled materials. And the cool thing is that, uh, in fact, I'm trying to remember where this is. Uh, uh, the Netherlands, Germany, fuck, I can't. It, well, it's got a German name to it, so let's just say German, one of those <laughs> Germany places. Volker Vessels. You're right. And <laughs> that sounds very German. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's Germany adjacent. And <laughs> the cool thing about these roads is that not only are they, you know, well made and well structured modular platforms, they because of that, they also have spaces inside that you can put for cables, wires, tubes. And uh, you know it's more resistant to the element. It can handle temperatures as low as below 40 and high as 80 Celsius with ease. And they're also more resistant to chemical corrosion. And estimations predict that the lifespan of roads will be tripled, and that means less road maintenance and less to no traffic jams and detours. Wow. So that's damn cool. I like the uh, the modularity of it. Uh, especially because that means that if if you can uh, if you can just take out one small area of the road, then that way you don't have to replace uh, like all that much. You can just replace a tiny little bit, and because it's recycled material, you can probably re-recycle it again, and then just make that into a new road once again. Yeah, in the event of like I don't know a car crash, a meteor strike, anything that would damage that part of the road. Bam, seriously just... meteor strike seriously what is this fucking armageddon <laughs> well i'm just imagining like what could really damage these roads since regular wear and tear which is the biggest factor wouldn't be an issue yeah that's a good point i guess i guess <laughs> if you want to win i guess that's a good a uh, good point so yeah you can just melt it down and make a new one out of it so that's pretty damn great so has the road actually been put down anywhere yet? Like, have they have they used it anywhere? Is it an actual road somewhere? Or is this just like kind of a theory, a video on the internet of something that could happen? It's in the uh, trial stages right now because on their website, which is plasticroad.eu slash en, they ask, when do you expect to build the first plastic road? And they say, at the moment, we're working hard on the business case for the plastic road. We're researching the best way to produce the plastic road. As soon as the idea proves feasible, we will build a prototype. Several municipalities, provinces, and regional water authorities have already shown interest and offered a pilot location to test the plastic road. Once this meets all technical, environmental, and safety requirements, a pilot installation will be built to perform practical tests. Our goal is to realize a pilot at the end of 2017. So the website hasn't been updated, clearly. And they yeah, said, apparently. initially, the plastic road will be used as a bicycle path, which I think is great. You that can test it cool. on the outdoor stresses, but without having any, uh, you know, high-speed fuck-ups. Huh. I like that. I like that a lot. Yep, yeah, and the Again, like it's a lightweight prefab construction, faster construction, months shorter, far less maintenance time, higher quality and a longer lifespan, little to, no, little to no maintenance required since the material is impervious to weather and weeds. The innovation is more sustainable. It's made out of 100% recycled plastic, so it's better than the, uh, the Indian version. Hmm. 
and it says it, it's perfectly in line with cradle-to-cradle -cradle philosophy and the principles of the circular economy. The circular economy, as is the, as in like the circle of life. Well, it's the circle of cash. <laughs> yeah, really. And it's got circle of capitalism. It's got double use of space because the hollow space can, again can be used for cables, pipes, and uh, even water drainage, so the roads can become sewers. Wow. That is actually super smart. And if um, if it's all recyclable, hollow, you can put sewers in it and you can put wires through it and everything. You know what else they could do, which would be super freaking useful in a lot of places, would be have, I don't know, maybe like tiny little dim LED lights where some of the lines are so that... I don't know, say when the friggin' paint rubs off once a year with Canadian winters and all the salt that we use, we can still see the damn lines on the road, maybe? Yeah, they can put solar heated, you can make, you can put solar heated elements in them. Huh? How about that? That's kind of cool. By putting solar yeah. panels on the, uh, I would imagine on the bike, if you make the roads and bike paths together, you could put solar panels on the bike path version because it would have like less weight and wear and tear on it. And it would just absorb energy to uh, heat to uh, heat up the elements, or you know, store it in batteries to be used later. They can put light poles in them, traffic loop sensors. So that's pretty damn awesome. Yeah, I like the sound of that a lot. Actually, that's that's pretty damn amazing. Um, again, we definitely need more of these things, uh, these sustainable. Um, technologies and sustainable ideas on the planet. I'm beginning to think that we should start calling this like green babble or something like that. Because <laughs> it seems that uh, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is uh, green technology. But you know what isn't green technology? Hmm. Plex. Have you ever heard of Plex before? Uh, is that the software that lets you stream uh, to video to your devices? Yes, it certainly is. So Plex, as you just said, is a free software, although they do have paid versions, I believe. It's free software that can run on pretty much anything and everything you own, including Xboxes, <laughs> which I thought was very interesting. Um, they have actually just added support for their virtual reality app. And first of all, I did not know that they had a virtual reality app. So I'm kind of surprised by this, but taking a look at this, basically what it is, um, is they've now added um, Oculus Rift and Gear VR support for their uh, virtual reality app. Before, or previously, the uh, app was only available for Daydream support, which is basically the newer version of Google Cardboard, um, which is still pretty sweet. But now when you include uh, Oculus and also Gear VR, that opens it up to a lot more people who can use this. The very interesting part of this is not only do you get to sit in a virtual reality room to watch your movies or television, uh, and these rooms are all fully, you know, 360 degree, it's all VR, just, you know, like a normal place, and you get to sit down on a couch or at a movie theater or at a drive-in theater, you know, which is really cool. I've, I myself have um, used a couple of different VR apps very similar to that where you get to load up uh, whatever video you have on your device and it makes it look like you're in a theater. So I've actually done that myself before, but what I haven't done, which is really interesting, 
is they actually now have at least for the um, oculus and the daydream versions uh it will be coming in the quote unquote coming weeks for the gear vr version but now you can actually do co-watching so if you have an oculus rift and i have an oculus rift we can both sign into this and watch this together and if we choose hypothetically the um you know skyscraper condo and we're sitting on the couch overlooking new york city while we're watching our movie i can look to the left or right and see you my friend watching it beside me i mean obviously it will be an avatar of you representing you but just the fact that i can now see you watching the movie with me when we're not together and i'm assuming there's got to be some sort of chat functionality or something built into this as well where either you can do it via text or hopefully audio as well um that would make things really really cool also brings a whole new dynamic to internet dating for those who meet say um in second life or world of warcraft or I guess those are old people games now. So I guess uh, if you meet somebody playing Fortnite uh, and now you're dating because you're playing Fortnite or Overwatch, um, I guess now you can have dates. You can have a movie date night and, and be in the same quote unquote room together. So I thought this was really super interesting, especially considering how much I love VR. Um, some of you listeners may not know, I got to go to Europe over the summer. And when I was in Europe, my fiance was nice enough to find a VR cafe and let me go there multiple times while we were in Amsterdam. And uh, I got to try out the Oculus Rift and also the HTC Vive. Let you go. So basically it was a high-tech daycare so she could go sightseeing and not have to deal with no, you no. checking your phone. No, she totally sat there and watched me and made fun of me and laughed at me while I had the uh, the uh, VR gear on my head and and I'm doing these things. It was uh, it was quite funny. There was actually one level that they make you do where um, you put on this is the HTC Vive. So you put on the HTC Vive and you've got a controller in each hand and the beginning of the level is just you're at the bottom of a skyscraper and then you walk forward and you have to walk into an elevator. So now I get like in the quote unquote real world, I'm facing the wall and I'm getting into the elevator and then I turn around and face towards kind of the open area um, and I press the button and I'm going up. And then while you're going up in the elevator, you're just kind of looking around, you know, listen to the elevator music so the or whatever. So the controller in your hand is what lets you move around in the VR world since you would collapse you would collide into walls if you were yes the control yes exactly but you you can you still turn around in circles but anyway so once you get to the top floor the the door opens up and what do you see a 200 story or whatever straight drop the only thing in front of you is a wooden board a wooden plank and you have to walk out onto said plank so you walk out onto this plank and the creepiest thing is is while you're in the elevator they actually have a wooden board hidden in the actual uh cafe that they come and put in front of you so that when you walk on the board in virtual reality you're now walking on a real board in real life so it feels really really real right and then what happens in the game is they take that board away 
and you immediately start falling. And the first time I did this, my fiance was laughing her ass off at me because I am deathly afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're falling, then you almost get to the ground and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, if you press B, you've got a rocket pack on. And I'm like, assholes, tell me that when I start falling. I was just wondering if you so, walked off the board, like before they take it away, can you just suicide? Or is it like Wiley Coyote rules where you have to well, look down, pull a sign out of your pocket saying, yikes, and no, then you, you fall. Imme- you immediately start falling. But um, it, it was really fun. Uh, VR is amazing. I love it. I got to play some different... Uh, I got to play, like, some zombie VR. I got to play uh, Serious Sam, if you remember that game. Oh, uh, I got man. to play that in VR. They need to bring that game um, back. They brought back Duke no, Nukem. Why not this? They did bring back Serious Sam. That's why you can play it in VR, is they brought it back. <laughs> oh, so it's not just a tech demo? It's, like, a full game? Oh, yeah, it's a full game. I uh, I played, like, three or four levels of it or something, and it was super, super Does it fun. still have those screaming headless bomb guys? Yes, and they are even creepier in VR, I have to say, because they come from 360 degrees around you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it is, dude, it is super this fun. This is a reason. And, uh, this is a reason to finally get on this shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping one day maybe I'll be able to purchase a, a VR setup, but until then... Uh, we'll all have to settle with uh, going to a VR cafe. Thankfully, in Ottawa, we've got two, so we'll have to get there one day. But this this app is just really interesting. Uh, again, brought to us uh, by Plex. So if you have an Oculus Rift, a Gear VR, or a Daydream setup, then you can now download Plex, watch your local movies um, in full VR. So you can exist in a virtual space, cool. watch a movie with somebody and turn around and see their avatar. You're saying that we right beside you. You're, so you're saying we are getting ready player one. We're moving towards the Oasis. Yes. This is essentially, this is essentially kind of the beginning of the Oasis in a sense for sure. And there's actually, uh, when I was uh, playing around with my, um, my Google cardboard a little while ago, and I guess I could get a daydream set up now that I have a, a Google pixel two, um, they actually have full VR social media platforms as well. So they have um, like uh, almost like chat rooms, like social media chat rooms where you are in full VR and you have a character that you've, an avatar that you've made yourself. So it's essentially Second Life meets Facebook. Dude, I'm going... And these things already exist. And that was just for Google Cardboard. So I assume anything that they have for Oculus Rift or HTC Vive or Gear VR or PlayStation VR or any of these other things is going to be even better than what is available for Cardboard because Cardboard is not all that great, especially when you buy the $1.50 Chinese version off of eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, we're going to watch a movie with this one day, and just to punish you for looking at me, I'm going to get like my avatar to be like some masturbating furry. Wait, don't you have, you have what, a Galaxy S8? Seven. Oh, you might be too old to get a, a daydream then. You're, you're, you, might, you might need to upgrade. Wait, I don't what know. is this? Uh... Wait, the daydream is like, it's... So daydream, do you know what Google Cardboard is? Yeah, it's a basically a cardboard cutout with a magnifying lens that you stick on your head and you put your phone in it. Yeah, essentially. I, th- I think I actually showed it to you one of the times that we hung out. But um, so Daydream is basically a much uh, fancier consumer ready version of that. And that's the much. one that has like multi-user support? 
the, that's one of the different ones. Yes, because because the, exactly. the one you showed me it was all just like one player, uh, like one viewer experiences. Yes. So this one is the the daydream um, with this Plex app specifically. I mean, there may be other apps out there, but with this Plex app and a daydream setup, we would be able to do this totally. And daydream, I believe, starts at uh, fifty nine or seventy nine ninety nine, one or the other, and it also comes with a uh, a small handheld Bluetooth um, controller so that you can play games and select things on your screen and blah, blah, blah. Whereas with Google Cardboard, it didn't come with anything. It just had that stupid magnetic thing on the side, which is really dumb. But yeah, so uh, I just think that that is super cool because I am totally into VR and I cannot wait to, uh, to get... Uh, back into virtual reality as it were well if you want to fly around in the city you don't need vr because what you can get is the flying car the world's Jesus. first flying car uh i feel like i've heard that about 20 times in the past 10 years Yes, that's the PAL-V. It is the car that flies and a plane that drives. It's got Dutch engineering. And uh, if you're looking at this thing, look at this sexy bullet beast right here. Yeah, it's not very sexy. It's got the I mean, elegant I guess it's Italian sexy design. without the propellers and the, and the other parts. If it's just the cockpit and the three wheels, that's kind of cool looking. But you put the tail on there and... And the helicopter part, the rotor, and it just looks like crazy. There's it's what you need, though. Just... It's got dual nice. engines for the car and the uh, propeller. Curve, sta curve stabilization. A self-stabilizing <laughs> aircraft. As you can see, the trunk has a little whirly bird, in it, a whirly bird on it. And uh, just because you're going to be flying through the sky as a fucking baller, you've got full leather interior. Now you may wow. uh, now you may wonder like, well, can I? Am I just doing this for myself, or can I take someone with me? You can take a second person with you. I'm I'm assuming it's in uh, it's tandem seating. Yeah, they're beside each other, not like one. Uh... Oh, it's so it's not tandem seating. It's regular seating. Yeah, it's one beside each other. Oh, well, okay. yeah, I thought it was going to be tandem. When you're on a date and you completely impress this person and they want to give you skyhead, now they can. You could join the Mile High Club without actually breaking any uh, laws in a regular commercial plane. Yeah, you don't have to be. That's always you handy. don't have to be in some crowded, shitty vacuum sealed bathroom. Yeah, really. There you go. If you take Roadhead to the Mile High Club. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the part that kind of gets me a little bit about this is the price. That's uh, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of cash right there, buddy. I don't know. Well, why don't you tell people what the cash is? Because I can't see it from where I'm looking right now. It uh, so you can get the uh, PAL V Liberty Sport Edition, which is the standard version of the PAL V Liberty, for three hundred and ninety nine thousand U.S. dollars. It's only the cost of or, two houses. Or. You could get the PAL V Liberty Pioneer Edition for 599,000 American dollars. Does that have three That's seats? That's a lot of scratch. Does that have three seats? What's the extra sports feature? I'm having trouble finding it. Uh, so the extra features you get are exclusive colors and scheme, exclusive customization options, 
Italian-designed, handcrafted interior included premium-level materials. Certificate stating that you are one of the 90 Pal V Liberty owners with a gold-plated copy of the serial number tag installed in the frame and an invitation to a milestone highlight event and be a part of the Pal V journey. So basically, you, you just get an extra color, some customization options that aren't listed, um, some quote-unquote Italian-designed and handcrafted interior. In other words, non-sustainable and world-killing. Um, and you get a gold-plated serial number tag, which is probably worth about 30 cents. Um, and you get invited to some events that you probably won't be able to make it to. Uh, you will be able to. Because you your, have a life. You'll be able to make it there in your flying car. Yeah, but you won't be able to afford the car if you're going to be taking time off of work to go to stupid events. If you're able to <laughs> buy a flying car, you clearly have. You clearly don't work for a living. You, you've got the kind of money you where work you can just much. retire. <laughs> or you work too much. So right now, you can actually... <laughs> and, uh, uh, you can option... You have an option to purchase by reserving one for $25,000. The option call is nine months before scheduled delivery. You get 10 lessons near your home or place of work. And the fee is a non-refundable deposit. And that is for the uh, Liberty Executive. For the Liberty Sport, it's only $10,000. That's actually not so bad. And for the... Um, Liberty Sport Provisional Reservation Escrow, it's $2,500. And you can get a refund within 10 days. That's actually not too bad. Yeah, so let's get into... The provisional reservation is not transferable, though. Your deposit is secured in escrow, uh, and your deposit is refundable at any time, minus the administration cost of 500 pounds. So basically... About a third of it, because if it's 2,500 US and the administration is 500 pounds, I believe the pound is about double US, give or take. So you're looking at somewhere between 800 and 1,000 US dollars that's not refundable. Wow. But let's just talk about some of the specs. It's mass empty. It's 664 kilograms. Its fuel capacity is 100... I assume liters. Uh, no, it's got to be gallons because has, uh, remember, Americans an, are dumb and they're all about imperial. But it has an I beside it, or an, or a lowercase L. Or oh, okay. Well, then I guess I? yeah, it must be liters. It's a hundred I. Weird. Hmm. Weird. And uh, it says unleaded automotive fuel with max ten percent ethanol. And its maximum driving speed, its road speed is 160 kilometers an hour with a 100 horsepower engine and a fuel economy of 7.6 liters to 100 kilometers. That's actually not bad. Oh, wait, is that flying or driving? We're talking driving. Okay, that's not too bad. I mean, it's not great, now, but it's not too bad. Let's check out the flight mode. Their economic cruise speed is 140 kilometers an hour. Its takeoff roll is 180 meters or 600 feet high cruise speed 90 percent range 160 kilometers an hour 
Its takeoff distance is 330 meters. Its maximum range is 400 kilometers with a half hour reserve fuel. Okay, wait, wait a second. The takeoff range? So, but that's weird because I'm on an area here that says how long should my airstrips be? And it says for a takeoff, the maximum roll is 180 meters or 600 feet. The safe, uh, to be safe, we therefore advise you use a runway of at least 280 meters or 900 feet. For landing, the airstrip can be significantly shorter. But you just said that it had to be 330 feet, didn't you? Takeoff. Or 330 meters. 330 meters for takeoff distance with 15 yeah, that's meters what I just obstacle said. clearance MTOW. That's maximum takeoff weight. Or, but that's weird because it's it literally says right here for takeoff use a runway of at least 280 meters so on their own website they're contradicting themselves the maximum speed is 180 kilometers an hour the minimum speed for a level flight is 50 kilometers an hour its engine power is 200 horsepower the maximum operating altitude is 3500 meters useful load is 246 kilograms a landing roll is 30 meters and a fuel economy of 26 liters an hour hmm um i'm not sure whether or not that's good because i don't know anything about flying a plane or a helicopter however i do know that this question on their fact area is hilarious can i have an airstrip in my backyard <laughs> Well, this depends on the laws of your country or region. A simple grass strip can be sufficient. A sophisticated airstrip is not required. For safety reasons, it must be leveled and uh, considering and consideration given to clearing obstacle, uh, obstacle, blah, 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 obstacles that are you in need the way to clear as you your, take You off. need to clear your verbal obstacles. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you need to clear obstacles out of the way as you approach or land. But I just think that's hilarious that they're like, yeah, I mean, maybe check with your country. <laughs> I like the fact that like included services. Yeah, an invitation to the events. That's great. It's like, yeah, I'm going to. You know, the best part about it is that they should have these events on uh, on islands with high cliff faces so that there's no way to get to them except in your flying car yeah that's true that is like the ultimate fuck you to the world it's like this is my hideout this is this is this is our big orgy event that you know no laws mm. no nothing we're just gonna have these high cliff faces whatever happens happens and we're all getting there and leaving in our flying cars okay so here i see a problem so so far they have um, everything listed in, uh, well, money is listed all in American, except for the administration fee, which is listed in pounds. Or, wait, is that pounds? No, I think that's actually euros. So pounds or euro, I think it's euros actually. And then they've got their um, distance and uh, capacity listed in imperial and metric. But it says, how soon after signing an order will I take delivery? And it says, the first deliveries in Europe are anticipated in 2019. So it doesn't even say anything about the American um, deliveries. So that would be kind of concerning. To me, this, this just seems like another one of those companies that's just going to basically get a whole bunch of rich people's money 
and try and do something and it's not going to work. Because I mean, how many times over the past decade have we heard of a company that said, oh, we're building a flying car? It's, it's, it's happened so many times over the past 10 to 15 years that a company has said we're doing flying cars. Even Uber is doing fucking flying cars now. And yet nobody has a flying car that's actually fucking yeah, out All you there. need is like air drones with like one seat. You just request a pickup and then the thing just comes along, just lands. So you don't even need a seat. Fuck it. Just give me some friggin' some, some ropes and shit and I'll dangle. <laughs> It'll be crazy. You, you, not only will you get to work, but you'll get to have an extreme adventure on your you way. You get to be like Triple X. Yeah. Or Triple H if you ripped enough. <laughs> so the... Um, Sorry, it's WrestleMania weekend. I can't help it. I, I, I just got to wonder, why do you need a landing strip when we're looking at this thing and it's a helicopter? It's not like it's like a jet or the propeller is in the front. The propeller is it a gyrocopter? The propeller is on top. And how many helicopters do you see that need clearance space? No, there's one behind it as well. Those are stabilizers. If you and a whirly bird in the back. No, there's definitely there's definitely a um, there's definitely one behind it. If you look at some of the pictures, you can kind of see it blurring. It's definitely being propelled. It's a gyrocopter, so it's being it has one um, keeping it up and it has one pushing it forward as well. Yep. Which is why, if you notice, when it's in flying mode, the back two wheels push it up off of the ground, and that's for that rear um, that's for the rear propeller. It does have two stabilizer fins, but there is definitely a uh, a rear propeller there as well. So, so that's obviously why you need a long landing pad. How, however, if it does have just a helicopter part, why wouldn't it just be able to take off straight up and then engage the rear propeller later? So that that part of it. I can understand the landing, maybe. I guess. I don't, no. Actually, you know what? I don't even you know. Because be, you should be able to just yeah, turn it off. Yeah, vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah, like a Harrier or some crap. Yeah, you're right. What the hell, pal? Come on, pal V. Yeah. Screw you. You know what? They need this. They really need to, like, upgrade it to VTOL. But that would probably be, like, a cool million. But think about it. You drive around in your VTOL car. You get stuck in traffic. You're in a traffic jam. Everyone else is there. That's when you pop out the propeller, lift your car up, and just fucking fly over the traffic and just, like, hold your middle finger out to everybody. Yeah, just I guess. Be like, look at you plebes just stuck in traffic obeying the laws of the road. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves, poor people. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Speak, um, I guess that we could have, uh, we should have actually uh, done this, I guess, right after the uh, Plex. But um, ready, speaking of Ready Player One, actually, which... Have you seen yet, by the way? Uh, I saw it with you. That's why you got to lay off the weed, Rich. Oh, that's right. That's why I did do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so so uh, Facebook has brought the AR camera now to the mainstream for more than just its stupid stickers. Um, currently... If you go to a movie theater or somewhere where you happen to see a Wrinkle in Time or a Ready Player One poster, you can open up the uh, Facebook camera and get some fun AR magic. So um, uh, lay it out for our less tech 
enabled people. How does... Augmented reality. Well, I know that's augmented reality, but how does it work? Is there like a barcode that it scans and it loads in, like it downloads whatever that scan leads to and then loads that image? Like, how does your phone anticipate this? Or how does any camera uh, load in this? Where does it get the information for this augmented reality? Um... So I, I mean, originally, um, I guess with the with the older AR technology, yeah, they probably did have, um, you know, like a QR codes or something that you would scan first or whatever. But nowadays, uh, basically, what the, I guess they do, I mean, I don't know a hundred percent, but what it seems like to me from reading a little bit of of these articles is that basically they. Uh, so oh, who's the company Amblin uh, or um, who's it Warner Brothers that produced um, Ready Player One or Disney Amblin. who produced yeah I know but I, what's the bigger company I'm assuming it's Warner Brothers mm. um, or with Disney uh, for A Wrinkle in Time basically they would uh, send all of their posters over to Facebook and then Facebook you know kind of scans them into their servers and then that way, if your phone takes a picture of the um, of the poster or ad or whatever they're going to do else in the future, then it automatically recognizes it and then it'll add whatever they want to it. Now, it actually doesn't so, say so in the article that I read. So you're implying that these companies are, in order to use this augmented reality, your phone, your images on your phone are constantly being scanned and uploaded to be spied yes. upon. Well, I mean, when, well, so that when people you're... can alter them in front of you. I guess, yeah. This is horrifying. Well, slightly, but I don't, th- I think maybe it would be, it would already be loaded into the app. So right now, with so many, oh, with so, so you have to uh, view sorry, it with so an, little. So you have to view it with... through an app that's already got this stuff loaded into it. Well, no, it's it's in the Facebook um, Messenger app or the Facebook camera. Um, so since there are so few being right now only two, they've only got two uh, things available for like Ready Player One and A Wrinkle in Time. So what they would do is they would just load that into the app so that anytime the app sees that, it's going to know that. It's not uploading it necessarily to the cloud. It's it's in the app. It's updated into the app, I would assume, so that it's not necessarily uploading everything that you're seeing constantly because like you're not necessarily taking a picture of it to get these um to get these interactive uh all the different exclusive interactive content you're not you're not well, imagine you taking a your... picture you're just opening the camera and looking at something so it's not going to be uploading it unless you take a picture necessarily so that's why i'm saying it's probably got to be built into the app itself hmm I would like to see, like, you know, you could definitely use this to screw with people if you're doing, like, cyber sex. Because you could get, like, an app that has, like, a miniature Pringles can. And you can just be like, hey, check me out, girl. And she's like, oh, wow, you're almost as big as a Pringles can. Oh, my God. (laughs) And you're guaranteed to get that date. Why did I agree to come back? (laughs) Oh, God. Sheldon. Oh, somebody save me. <laughs> there is no... Just the playing with power crew, they can come and save me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, come back. <laughs> Ka- 
Ow. Anyone? <laughs> so yeah, I just I think that's really interesting and I'm I'm actually kind of mad that we uh that we saw this after we went to go see the movie. Um, cuz it actually doesn't say at least in the article that I read, it doesn't say exactly what this content is, this exclusive uh content, the interactive content. Uh, so now I'm gonna have to go see the movie again. I might I might go in 3D next time. So I don't. I listened to a couple reviews of it in 3D and it sounds pretty fun, except for that first 30 seconds where they're showing off the Oasis and it's all like zooming from planet to planet. That that part I hear is is pretty messed up, but everything else sounds fun. <laughs> well, we're just about done, but uh, you know what? I thought we would incorporate something officially into the new Technobabble. And that is, well, after after uh, what Rich just went through, uh, you, you could probably use some uh, good news. Good news, everyone. Good news, everybody. No, you gotta be like, good news, everyone. Good news? No, the f- Professor Farnsworth isn't Swedish, you... Well, oh, Professor Farnsworth. I loved him on Mork and Mindy. Now I know who you're talking about. Yes. <sighs> and Mike's just like, why did I agree to come back? <laughs> All right. So what's your good news of the day? Okay. Well, there is colony. People talk about the bees disappearing what about the birds yeah the birds are fine well but but the birds and the bees kind of you know do do the thing so yeah but the birds you are, know. the birds have to fuck each other because the bees are disappearing <laughs> gone too far too far <laughs> <laughs> pull, up, pull, up. <laughs> pull out pull out oh yeah now you're ta- now you're finally talking my language <laughs> Okay, so what's going on is that bees are disappearing, colony collapse disorder, what the hell is going on? Well, it turns out there's numerous reasons, like some people talk about like fungus, uh, uh, other insects are preying on them, like wasps, hornets, they're fucking up their hives. And in uh, a lot of cases, what causes colony collapse order is that bees leave and they just don't come back. But it's not through any fault of their own. They're loyal little creatures. They didn't move on to greener pastures. They moved on to insecticide-cleansed pastures. And that is fucking up their little bodies. See, the bees drink water that collects on the end of leaves. And the water, which travels up from the soil through the stem, collects glucose on its way. In other words, like that contains the sugar and stuff that they, that they go for. Unfortunately, this water also absorbs insecticides. Not only that, but the insecticide becomes concentrated because it's being filtered and it collects on the leaves. So when bees are drawn to the glucose in the water, they end up ingesting the insecticide. And being an insect, that's not good. So what did he do? What do, well, who did what? A guy named Derek. Derek Wu who's a senior student at Greenwich High School in Connecticut. He's a 17-year-old 
and he became inspired to help honeybees when he heard about colony collapse disorder. And what he did was he worked on mixing four parts soil with one part charcoal, creating something called biochar. And aside from sounding like a really cool Decepticon, biochar is an environmentally friendly charcoal used by farmers to absorb harmful chemicals and help the soil retain its moisture. When mixed with plant soil that has been sprayed with insecticide, the water that is collected on the leaves contains only a fraction of the poison, which makes it safe for the bees to process. And Derek has already started contacting local farmers about adding biochar to their soil. Hmm. And it's got uh, numerous uses, like climate engineering as a carbon sink. And a soil amendment slash and char which is uh, farming techniques in Brazil, which can decrease deforestation of the Amazon basin and carbon dioxide emissions, as well as increasing crop yields. Because the slash and burn leaves only 3% of the carbon in the organic material from the soil. Slash and char can keep up to 50% of the carbon in a highly stable form. And it also has water retention, because biochar is hygroscopic. Thus, it is a desirable soil material in many locations due to its ability to attract and retain water. So, there are benefits. The pyrolysis of forest and agriculture-derived biomass residue generates a biofuel without competition to crop production. And it is also a byproduct that may be plowed into soils and crop fields to enhance their fertility and stability and for medium to long-term carbon sequestration in these soils. It has meant a remarkable improvement in tropical soils, showing positive effects in increasing soil fertility and improving disease resistance. So there is so much more you could do. So uh, if you do want to go, go to wikipedia.org and check out biochar. Because I could go on about this, but I don't want to take up all your time. But this is an amazing thing, and I think uh, helping the bees, good news. Wow. Yeah. I mean, helping the bees is always good news, because if we don't help the bees, we're all fucked. And then there will be no birds and no bees for anybody. Yeah, those bird-bee hybrids will, uh, will just have to exist in Cronenberg movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god you can just imagine that the fly and the birds coming to have having the crossover nobody asked for well at least uh at least we have our good news of the day indeed and now bad news we're all out of stuff for today is that bad news <laughs> Subjective i think news. they've heard enough from us <laughs> <laughs> So. All right. Well, I guess uh, we will be back on the next episode. And uh, thanks for listening to our first return episode. So uh, I think we should talk about like how often these episodes are going to be. This is the the show is back now. We've been doing daily shows for our old episodes, but of course we're not going to be doing a daily a daily release of new episodes. So how uh, how often are we going to be uh, putting these out? Uh, you know, like whenever we feel like it, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not he, he's lying we're uh, we're gonna go for about one every two weeks and if we can't manage that well then we'll see you on the uh the second revival 
of Technobabble in a couple of months once we get our shit together. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so we hope that you've enjoyed the show. And, oh, you know what? We have improved. These, these people can now reach us. If you want to ask us to look up something or, uh, you know, ask us some questions, then uh, where can they reach us, Rich? Uh, they can reach us at geekfallout at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. You can message us through our Facebook page, Geek Fallout Productions. Uh, you can message us right through there. Uh, send us a message through Facebook Messenger. We're really quick at replying. You can send us a message there. Send us a message on um, our Gmail. You can comment also on Facebook. You can go to Twitter and get a hold of us there. Uh, direct message us or just send us a, a regular, you know, message on Twitter, which is at Geek Fallout. Yep. So it's a it's a brand new technobabble, a more engaging way. Like we want to hear from you, hear some ideas. If you've got some amazing tech stuff, if you want to ask us about some stuff, like please do. We want to hear from you. And uh, I think that's about it for uh, this episode. So thank you for tuning in, uh, joining us on our revival. And uh, we hope to entertain you for a long time to come. But for now, it is safe to turn off your device. Ooh. Oh, am I supposed to stop? <laughs>